0: Well, good morning, 1030. How you doing this morning? Oh, hey, that's fun. Wow, how spontaneous and natural that was. Uh, It's so good to be with you. My name is Jarrett Stevens. I'm one of the lead pastors here at Soul City Church. It's a privilege to be a part of this movement of God. For those of you who are packed into this space, for those of you who are in overflow, for those of you who are watching online right now or listening to the podcast, I am so glad that you took time to grow and invest in your relationship with God, to become all of who He says that you already are. And we have been in a teaching series for the last couple weeks called Forgotten God. We are looking at the often overlooked power and presence of the Holy Spirit in our everyday lives. We are familiar with God the Father. We understand that Jesus is central to a relationship with God, but we miss so much of what God has for you through the power and presence of His Holy Spirit. So we've been diving in. Uh, the last couple weeks. If you missed the last two weeks, you can go back online and catch up. But today is a really special day. In the church calendar, today is actually Pentecost Sunday. Today is the day where we mark and remember what Jesus promised, as we're going to look at here in a minute, that the Holy Spirit would come and that we would have power in the Holy Spirit. And that's exactly what happened after Jesus's resurrection. We saw the Holy Spirit poured out in a way that had never happened before in this world. And so we remember that today Because all of us need to be reminded that there is more in you than you are even aware of. And so I'm excited to get into the message today. But before we do, uh, we're going to take a moment to do something we do here every week. We're going to take a second to give back to God, to acknowledge that what we have in our life is actually a gift from God and that we want to give back to Him as He's poured out blessing in our life. And the amazing thing is about that when you do, when you give to God, it actually moves this church forward in very real and tangible ways. Our iMentor partnership, that's funded by everyday ordinary folks saying yes to God, responding in gratitude to God. Our midweek that we offer here for the next couple of weeks, that's something that we're able to do because of faithful folks like you giving. All of our small groups which are about to kick off, everything we do here wouldn't happen if it weren't for folks like you saying, yes, I want to be a part of what God's doing here. I want to grow as this church grows. And as we've been talking about the Holy Spirit, maybe over the last couple of weeks or maybe right now in this moment, the Holy Spirit is nudging you, prompting you to get in the game of giving. That's why we do this every week. We don't want you to miss that opportunity. And so there's three ways that you can give. There's the old school ways you're going to see in a moment. We're going to pass buckets. And so we'll, if you like to give that way, you brought a check or you want to give that way. Awesome. We love that. Um, but you might also notice when the bucket gets to the end of the row, you might be looking in it going, oh man, I'm concerned for the future of this church based on how light this bucket is. Well, that's because the vast majority of folks in our church give online. You can jumpstart by just giving a one-time gift or getting in the game of giving by texting the number that's on the screen behind me. You can text that in right now and just give that way if you want. It's a pretty cool way to do it. Or you can sign up online to give faithfully and consistently. That's how my wife and I do it. That's how our staff does it. That's how the vast majority of folks in our church do it. We set it up so that we can be faithful and joyful in our generosity and our gratitude as we give back to God. And I will not be offended if you pull out your phone right now and go ahead and start to do that. In fact, I think that's one of the best next steps that you can take. So, our amazing volunteers are going to come forward right now so that we can have an opportunity to give back to God. And as they do, as you give, as God leads you, I want you to think back to your very first car. Do you remember what your very first car was? Some of you are still driving it. That's amazing. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, My car would not have made it this far, this long. My very first car was a 1975 BMW 2002. This little pillbox car. It's an awesome car. And if you're thinking, oh, wow, Pastor drives a BMW, uh, you did not see this car. It was old when I got it. And it actually spent more time in the shop than it spent on the road. But I loved it. it was my first car. And I fancied myself... Um, handy around the car, that I could do a few things. I was proud that on this older, simpler car, I could do a few things. Raise your hand if you feel like you're kind of handy when it comes to cars. Go ahead and raise your hand. Yeah, that's a problem. I want you to look around. If any of our cars break down after church, we're all in trouble. No one knows how to work on cars anymore. And I'm not saying that I knew how to work on the car. I just knew how to do a few things around the car. One of them was to change the oil. And by changing the oil, what I mean is this car leaked oil so bad that I would regularly, every couple weeks, have to pour more new oil into the car and then it would naturally just filter its way through the car and then out onto the road. And which is good news, actually, because if I ever got lost, I was really easy to find. Just follow the trail of oil and you would find me there. Well, I don't know if you know this or not, those of you who are handy around cars know this. You know that there's different types of motor oil, different weights of motor oil. You're nodding your head like you know that. Where were you when I was 17 years old? Because I wasn't paying attention one time when I was stocking up on my motor oil and I bought the wrong kind. And I poured it into my car there at the gas station and got back on the road. And within 15, 20 minutes, I was driving on the freeway and I began to smell something like, that doesn't smell right. And then I began to see smoke coming through the vents in my car. And I thought, that doesn't look right. And then I noticed as I'm driving on the freeway, smoke starts to billow out from under the hood. And within a moment's time, I am engulfed in a Holy Spirit black cloud (laughs) of smoke while I'm driving on the freeway. And I'm kind of new to driving, and I'm new to this car, and I am freaking out. I don't know what to do. And so as this cloud of smoke is just all around me, I kind of get my way over. I pull over because I was in the left lane, so I pulled over to the side of the road there, and I got out of the car, and I opened up the hood, and within a matter of moments, my engine was on fire. And I caused more damage to this already damaged car, and it spent more time in the shop. And I learned a very valuable lesson that day. Uh, One, I shouldn't be changing my own oil. But two, I learned something that is true, actually, of our own lives. And it's simply this, that what is in you comes out of you. What's in you comes out of you. It does. It just, whatever is in you comes out of you. In that case, I put bad oil into my car, and guess what came out? smoke and flame and fire. What's in you comes out of you. And you know this to be true, that what you put into your life is what comes out of your life. Another way of saying it is this, what fuels you forms you. Now think about what fuels you right now in your life. You know this. So those of you who like to work out, you know that if you eat poorly the day before or the day of a workout, you pay for it, don't you? Workout's a lot harder. You know, you just is like sluggish. It's difficult. You know that what fuels you forms you. And what's in you comes out of you. Uh, You know that if the studies show that the media that we consume uh, eventually shapes how we see things and how we even act, the music that you listen to, the shows that you watch, the social media folks that you follow, do you know that what you consume you eventually conform to? Do you know that? It shapes you. What you put into you comes out of you. You know that if you aren't taking care of your body, you're not sleeping at least seven to eight hours a night, seven to eight hours a night, and you're getting through your day through coffee and energy drinks and you're running on adrenaline, you probably have already experienced, in fact, you may experience on a daily basis, your body crashing because there's nothing good in it to come out of it. We know this principle already to be true in our lives. What is in you comes out of you. So why wouldn't, why wouldn't we think that it's any different with God? Why would we think that it's any different with God, that what's in us actually comes out? out of us. Why would we think that it's any different with the circumstances or the challenges that you may be facing in your life when you are pushed up against the wall, when you're backed up into a corner? You know in those moments when life is pressing in, what's in you comes out of you, doesn't it? It's just true of our lives, it's true of our relationship with God. And as we're going to look at today, there is a promise of God. There's a promise to each and every one of us who is in a relationship with him. And it's the promise of his presence and his power. God has promised you a power greater than yourselves for your everyday life. And here's the deal. The second you say yes to Jesus, that power is already fully in you. The question that we need to wrestle with and consider over the next few moments is will you live by the power that's been promised to you? Will you actually live your everyday, ordinary life by the power God has promised? that he's already given you. So, let's look for a second at what that power is really like. I want you to grab your Bible if you would, and I want you to open up to John chapter 14. Now, if you got your Bible with you, that's awesome. We'll make sure to mark you down for extra credit. If you have it on your phone and want to take notes that way, perfect. But if not, do you see it right under your seat or in the seat in front of you? There should be one of these Soul City Bibles. Grab one of those and grab a pen. We're going to pay attention to a few passages today. You can open up to page 875 in the Soul City Bible. That will get you to John chapter 14. Page 875, John chapter 14. Now this is shortly before uh, Jesus faced the cross. Moments, in fact, before he would face the cross. These are some of the final words that he had to offer his followers right before the darkest hour of his life. And look at what he promises them and promises us in that moment. John 14, jump down to verse 12. John 14, 12 says this. Very truly, I tell you, now this is kind of a fancy bible way of saying, listen up, pay attention. This is Jesus' way of saying, pay attention. You can count on what I'm about to say here. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Did you get that? Anyone who believes in me will actually be able to do the things that I've done. In fact, you will be able to do greater things than even I have done because I'm going to the Father and the Father is sending the Holy Spirit to be in you. Now think about that for a second. Look at who is making this promise. It's Jesus. Y'all know Jesus. The one who walked on water, that Jesus The one who actually healed people of their diseases, that Jesus, the one who made blind people see, the one who made crippled people walk. This is the Jesus who cast demons out of people, the Jesus who brought his friend Lazarus back from the grave. That same Jesus says that you will do even greater things than he did while he was on earth. That's a powerful promise. And I don't know if you've looked recently at Jesus's resume, but it's impressive He did a lot more stuff than that. And I don't know if you've ever looked at his followers who were around him when he was making this promise. They were not impressive. He had a lot of faith in God that God would do greater things in and through them than even he did while he was on earth. Nevertheless, Jesus promises power to them and to you and to me. In fact, turn to Acts chapter 1, just a couple pages to the right. Turn to Acts chapter 1, it's on page 882 in the Soul City Bible. Acts chapter 1, we're going to see another promise that Jesus makes of the power of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Now, in Acts chapter 1, we are after the events of the cross where Jesus gave his life so that we could have a relationship with God where Jesus hung a vacancy sign on an empty tomb. This is right before Jesus ascends into heaven, right before he goes up to be with the Father like he said that he would. This is what he has to say to his followers in that moment. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. But he says this. He says, "But listen to me, but you will receive what? You will receive" I don't know. Come on. You will receive... Okay, so let's try it again. Like the word actually, I don't know, means something. All right, so let's try it again. But you will receive... Power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and the Holy Spirit invades your life. And he says, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Here again, we see the Spirit's presence is the promise of power for your everyday life. Jesus didn't say that you might have power. He didn't say that you could possibly have power if you're spiritual enough. Nope. In fact, it has nothing to do with you in that equation. It has very little to do. It has, in fact, nothing to do with you. There's nothing to prove to earn the Spirit's power. Nothing to earn at all, in fact. It's just yours. It's given to you. By the authority of Jesus, the power of God is given to you when you say yes to Jesus. Now, it's interesting to pay attention to The original Greek word that's used there when y'all said, when you said power, the original uh, Greek word is a word dunamis or dunamis is how we say it. Everyone say dunamis. Dunamis. Say dunamis. 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 This word is used throughout the New Testament to describe this indwelling power, this power that is already there and works its way out. That word dunamis means power. In fact, it's where we get our English words, dynamic And dynamite from. That's where they come from, dunamis. That's where we get dynamic and dynamite. Jesus says you will have dynamic, dynamite power in your everyday life when the Spirit enters into your everyday life. Question for you to consider right now as we look at the power even of that word. When you think of the church, when you think of most Christians, is the first word that comes to your mind dynamic? Probably not. Lots of other words, lots of things maybe come to mind. My hunch is dynamic doesn't make the top of the list. Why is that? Why is it that the power, the do-not-miss power, the dynamic power that was promised to you through the presence of the Holy Spirit isn't evident and seen in most Christians, most churches today? How is it that folks who've said yes to Jesus aren't living by the power that's been given to them through the Holy Spirit? Now, I got a picture of this kind of power because I've told you before, um, I grew up around church. Maybe you did, maybe you didn't. And I'm grateful for a lot of the things that I grew up in around church and the rest of it I've worked through uh, with a counselor and a therapist. But, but, but I grew up around church. And in the late 80s and 90s, there was a movement of power uh, that the church really had never seen anything like before. There was a, a, a touring group of individuals called the Power Team. And in fact, I brought a picture of the Power Team in all their late 80s glory. I don't know if those are skydiving suits, I'm not exactly sure what they're wearing, but these were muscle-bound, mullet-wearing dudes who (laughs) toured the country and eventually toured the world performing feats of strength to show you the power of God. And I saw them multiple times. multiple times. And the power team would come to a church like this or to a Christian school gymnasium because they came to both my church and my school. And they would do all these feats of strength. You know, they would get out there and they would break baseball bats over their knees and they go, the power of God compels me. And they would break a bat like, oh my God, it's like God breaks the pattern of sin in my life. And kids would start crying and it was powerful. and they would take this one, there was one guy in the power team, I remember, would take a frying pan and he would just bend it the whole time, just bend. That's an amazing thing to show God's power over over kitchenware. Uh, I don't know exactly what, but the God's going to, and so he would bend that and they would blow up hot water bottles, those big things, they'd blow them up until they popped in their face and we were mesmerized by their power. One of the guys would tear a phone book. I don't know if you know what a phone book is, but we used to... We used to print the internet and so they would, um tear a foam and somehow you know it's like God tore the veil for Jesus and there was always a hype guy that would be out on stage while the power team was doing all their feats of strength and what he would say to get the crowd you know going is like come on help him help him and so we would just have to start clapping because that's a I guess a form of prayer in that moment. We would just start clapping and getting revved up and he would tear the phone book in Jesus name and kids would come forward and give their lives to Jesus and confess all kinds of sin and, it was a powerful thing to see the power team in their prime. True story, they're still going to this day. They've reformed and are touring all over the world. It, if you have the chance, please see the power team. Now, here is a problem uh, with the power team. Because, um, again, all of these guys were hugely ripped individuals. Their muscles had Muscles, all right? So these are huge individuals. And as powerful and cool as it is to see someone tear a phone book in half, and believe me, it's not easy. I can't even tear a pottery barn catalog in half. So it is not a small thing, okay? But the problem is these were already strong individuals. These were already dudes that spent their whole lives working out and then had given their lives to God. And it's a cool thing to see, but they were already Powerful. What would have made the power team more powerful is if it was made up of members of the chess club. That would be amazing. Or if it was made up of soccer moms, that would be amazing. That would be dynamic. To see people doing things that they simply could not do on their own. What makes the Holy Spirit's power dynamic in your life is that it enables you to do what you could not and cannot do on your own. This is what Paul means when he says in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, that God's power is made perfect in your, anyone? Weakness. Weakness. It's in your powerlessness that God's power is made perfect. When you can't, he can. That's dynamic. Jesus goes on to paint this picture to his followers, and eventually the thread is picked up by the apostle Paul. Several years later, the Apostle Paul, speaking to some of the first churches, says these words in Romans 8. Go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 8. It's on page 916 in the Soul City Bible. So just a little bit more to the right. This will be the last passage we stop at today. Jesus painted this picture of the promise of the power of the Holy Spirit. And then Paul picks up that thread in Romans chapter 8. And you can start in verse 9. Paul is painting a picture here of who we really are in Christ and reminding you of who you really are and who's really in you. Romans 8 verse 9 says this, You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. In other words, you are on another level. You're not a part of, you don't get caught up in the things of this world. You're a part of a spiritual world. If the Spirit of God lives in you. And he goes on to say this, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. So what Paul is doing there is he's using the negative to prove the positive. In other words, you cannot be in relationship with Jesus and not have the Holy Spirit in you. Now, you may not be aware of the Spirit's presence in your life. You may not access the Spirit's power in you, but that doesn't mean that it's not available to you. you simply cannot be in relationship with God and not have the full power and presence of the Holy Spirit available to you. Verse 10, But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject or open to death because of sin, because we lived in a world marked and marred by sin, broken by sin, even if you are subject to death, the Spirit gives life. Because of righteousness, the spirit gives something else, something other, even when you are physically suffering. In other words, you can suffer physically while simultaneously thriving spiritually. Think about that for a second. You can suffer physically while at the same time thriving spiritually. Have you ever met anyone like that? You ever met anyone who's facing difficult circumstance or season in their life, a diagnosis that they weren't expecting, and yet somehow in the face of even death itself, they have more joy? You ever met anyone like that? They have a peace that you can't even muster up on your own, and you're not even facing what they're facing. They have a hope in them. You ever come across someone like that? You look, scratch your head and go, I don't understand. Look at what's going on in your world. There is something more in them, it's dynamic, isn't it? It's the power that Jesus promises through the presence of the Holy Spirit that you can be suffering physically and yet thriving spiritually. And Paul goes on with this, verse 11. And if the spirit of him, now get this, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Let's break that down for a second. Do you see what Paul is saying here? He's saying that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, the same power that defeated sin and death is the same power that's actually in you. It's not a modified version. It's not a you know, lesser version. It's the same power, the same power that defeated sin and death is the same power in you to face cancer or to face someone that you know is facing cancer. It's the same power that's in you to make it through a transition at work or a job that you loved. It's the same power in you to walk through the loss of someone that you love. It's the same power that's in you to face the challenges that you're facing right now in this season with your kids. It's the same power. Listen, the second that you say yes to Jesus, that full power is in you. You have a God-given, spirit-driven, unexplainable, inexhaustible, supernatural power living in you. Did you know that, John? That's in you. I'm gonna say that again. I'm gonna preach it to you, 1030. The second you say yes to Jesus, please don't miss this. The second you say yes to him, you have a God-given, spirit-driven, unexplainable, inexhaustible, supernatural power living in you. It's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And do you think your problems are bigger or greater than God's power in you? Do you think that it's possible that maybe you've got everything a little backwards and upside down? Because all you see is your problems, but you forgot what's already in you. The power of God given to you, same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Do you know what that means? That means that the Holy Spirit in you, get this, the Holy Spirit in you is greater than anything that comes at you. Anything that comes at you. That's what Jesus was saying. That's what Paul is saying. is That the Holy Spirit in you is greater than anything that comes at you at you. There is nothing in your life or in this world that has the power to overpower the power and presence of the Holy Spirit in you. The spirit in you is greater than anything that comes at you. See this is why Paul could write about joy and about peace and about hope and about love while he was rotting in a forgotten prison cell. This is why the first church took Jesus at his word when he said, you will have power and you will do greater things than I have even done. And they saw miracles in their midst. They didn't try and over-rationalize. They didn't try and contextualize. They, just, they were probably not smart enough to overthink this one. They just heard Jesus said, you're gonna have power and you'll do greater things than me. And so they took him up on his word and they did. This is why You can face whatever it is that you are facing in this moment. Not because you have the power, but because of the power that's in you through the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit in you is greater than anything that comes at you. Do you believe that? Do you, but like, do you really believe that? Like add up all of your challenges, your circumstances, your problems that you're facing Do you really believe that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead turned history on its head, set eternity full of lost souls like you and me? Do you believe that same power is in you to face whatever it is that you are facing in your life today? I got a picture of this power uh, yesterday in a most unexpected way. Uh, Yesterday I had the very... Humbling honor of giving the message at a very good friend's funeral in St. Louis. Someone I love, someone who's been a part of this church. Andrew and Jessica were foundational folks in our church. They helped Soul City from just about the beginning. Andrew was a part of my small group for a season. Uh, He actually served on staff here for a short season, helping us with all the chaos of getting started in this church. In in fact, um, Andrew was baptized here at this church. His signature's still on the wall. And his wife, Jessica, basically built all of our visual design, all the stuff that, you know, looks good around here. A lot of that came from, from Jessica. And about a year ago, uh, they decided, a very hard decision for them to leave, but felt prompted by God to leave Chicago, which they love, and they moved down to St. Louis to be near Jessica's sister who's fighting cancer right now. And maybe for some of you, that's how you got to Chicago, to be near someone that you love who's going through a difficult season, or maybe you've had to do that previously in your life. And so they decided to pack up and move down to St. Louis where she's from and be close to her sister in this season And sadly, and quite shockingly, uh, I got the call last weekend that Andrew had died suddenly and unexpectedly in his sleep. I just didn't see it coming. And Jessica, who had moved to St. Louis to care for her sister, woke up that morning a widow. Gone. And as we've been... Uh, talking through this week and as we've been connecting over the phone and as I was with her again uh, yesterday, her loss and her pain is palpable. The ache of grief. A pain that maybe my hunch is all of us know in one way or another. And while I was so grateful yesterday to be a part of this service, that I would be asked to be a part of this And I was so grateful to look out in that church and see folks from this church who got up early in the morning yesterday and drove down just to be there with Jessica in this difficult hour. I was so proud to see folks from our church surrounding her and loving her in this season. And I was so grateful to even be in a church that they had found, that when they had moved down there, they found a great church that they planted themselves in immediately And this church has walked with them through this last year and is now carrying and caring for Jessica in this sudden and tragic loss. It was actually Jessica's words to me yesterday. As we were standing in the church where we had just said goodbye to Andrew for the very last time, it was her words where I got a glimpse of what this power is really, really like what it really looks like in real life, in real time. With tears flowing down both of our faces, uh, this is what she said to me yesterday. She said, God's got me, Jarrett. I feel it. I know it. She said, I'm in shock. I feel overwhelmed, but I know that God is with me and that he will see me through this. Where does that come from? In that moment, on the, heart, the most difficult day of her life to be able to say, as the pain is real, the loss is real, the tears are real, to be able to say, I know God's got me. He's with me. He will carry me through. Where does that come from. It doesn't come from the power of positive thinking. There's just not enough of that to face loss and grief like that. It doesn't come from Christianese, the way that some Christians like to wrap a pretty bow on difficult things. Can't come from that. This is a dynamic power of the presence of the Holy Spirit in her life. It's a power that's actually greater than the grave. A power that she could not muster on her own. It is a God-given, spirit-driven, unexplainable, inexhaustible, supernatural power that finds you and holds you and carries you even at your worst and at your lowest. And when you have no power, because what's in you always comes out of you. And the promise that Jesus gave is that there is a power in the presence of the Holy Spirit in your everyday life. Power, dynamic power in you. It's the power in your life to see breakthroughs happen in your life. Did you know that that's possible? It's not because of your sheer will. It's because of the power and presence of the Holy Spirit that you can see breakthroughs in your life, and it's the power to help you just make it through another day. It's the power to overcome addictions, the power to overcome patterns and habits in your life, and it's the power that holds you when you feel undone and spent, and there's nothing left. It's the power to see healing happen in your life. And we have seen that in this church. It's the power to see healing happen. And it's the power to walk you through grieving. It's the power within you to actually move mountains, to make mountains move. And it's the power within you to walk through the valleys that you may be facing and walking through right now. It's the same It's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. It lives in you. And I wonder what would happen if you began to actually live like that same power lives in you. If I began to live like that same power lives in me. I wonder what might happen in your everyday life. I wonder how you might reframe your challenges, your circumstances, your pain, your loss, your grief. To know that there is a power within you given to you by God to make it through, to grow, to become all of who God has said, you already are. I wonder what might happen in this church if we began to actually live with this kind of power, if we began to live with a supernatural expectancy where we expected God to move in and through our lives and in and through this church. I wonder what might actually begin to happen in this city if enough folks began to say, no, I believe that God has given me a power within me. And when I look at the city, I don't just shake my head and go, what a mess. I go, what an opportunity for a miracle.'" a movement of God to happen in this city. Because I believe that there's a power within me. God said anything's possible. All things are possible. And I believe he wants to move in and through me. Move in and through this church. In this city. Do you know that this city, this city that we love, was forged and formed by a movement of the Holy Spirit? That there was a Outpouring of the Holy Spirit, people saying yes to God and living out of the power of their lives. Some hundred and sixty years ago it happened and it shaped the identity and it shaped the trajectory of this city. Do you believe that God wants to do something like that again in our city? Or do you want to just kind of shrug your shoulders and play church? You're gonna get some, you know, principles for your life, and oh that's good, that helps. And or do you want to see God move? Do you want to see God change dynamics? Do you want to see God break down walls in our city? I do. We do. And I believe that he actually wants to and can do it again. And it happens through everyday ordinary folks like you and me. Living out of the power, leaning into the power that he said is actually already in us. And so here's what I want us to do to practice the power that's actually already in you. Anyone who said yes to God is in a relationship with God, that same power is in you. Here's how we want to practice it. For the last couple of weeks, we've been playing around with prayer. Uh, we started by praying to the Holy Spirit and just naming the Holy Spirit when we pray. Last week, we talked about praying out loud. What happens when you just pray out loud and let yourself hear what's on your heart? Here's the challenge. Here's the homework for this week. I want you, whatever it is that you're praying for, Here's what I want to encourage you to do. Here's what I want to challenge you based on what we've heard from God's word today. I want you to pray a little bit bigger. I want you to pray a little bit bigger. I want you to pray with a little bit more power and expectancy, not dependency on yourself, but reliance on the Holy Spirit, which is already in you. Whatever it is that you're praying for. And maybe just right now, it's a good moment to pause and go, what is it that I do pray for? I mean, I pray for meals. I pray for parking spots. (laughs) Maybe I could pray for some bigger things in my life. And whatever it is and wherever it is that you stop to pray, I want to encourage you to push a little further, to call upon the power that God said is already in you and to pray for bigger things, to pray for bigger things in your life, to pray for greater things in other people's lives, to pray for greater things, a movement of God in this city. Would you join me in praying a little bit bigger this week? I wanna give us the opportunity to do that in fact right now. I'm gonna ask you to stand up and we're gonna we're gonna pray right now. And however it is that you want to take a posture of prayer, whatever it is you need to remind yourself to pray a little bit bigger. For some folks, maybe it'll be opening up your hands. You go, yeah, God, I want, to, I, want to, I want to be open and aware of that power in my life. Some folks like to raise a hand. They just want to testify that that power is already here. So maybe you want to raise a hand. You want to open your hands. Whatever the posture is that you want to take, will you join me in praying in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit right now that He would move in our lives and in our church and in this city? If so, can I get an Amen. Amen. Let's pray together right now. Holy Spirit, we come to you because you said we could. You are the one who actually lives inside of us and you are inviting us into greater things. Greater things, God, that were already promised to us through Jesus. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray you would make us more aware of your power and presence in our lives, that you have not held anything back from us. So help us to not hold back from you. God, forgive us for small prayers. God, forgive us for thinking small about you. You, God, are on the move, and you invite us to join up and join in with you. And so, God, I pray for our folks in this church who are a little bit older. God, I pray for the older Christians in our church. God, would you give them fresh vision right now God, would you awaken in their heart that first love that they have for you? And God, I pray for the younger folks in our church, new to their faith. Would you give them dreams, God, to pray for what their life might be like with you? And God, I pray for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, God, in our lives and in our church. God, we pray that the city would change because we're here and we believe that you are in us. God, we don't want to play church. We don't want to get dressed up for nothing. We want to see a movement of God in our lives. And so Holy Spirit, move in and through us, we pray, in your presence, in your power, in your name. Amen.